The hay is vision Maguire is free. Like we have this aerial view of everything that's happening. I know, so but it's not like, like, but it's like he, he knows he's free. not passing the ball to Rio Ferdinand. I, right? I, I he knows he's in front of into this. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Very welcome along. It's Thursday morning. It's half past seven. This is OTBAM. It's Jerry Gilroy, Shane Hannon, and Colin Bowie with you this morning. Gentlemen, how are you? All right, lads. How are things? What's going on? Uh, mildly hungover, Shane. Ah, only mildly. I was very. You're young, you see. Exactly. Yeah. Don't feel it sometimes, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a brilliant night. It was at the uh, roadshow last night. Uh-huh. Just the Champions League roadshow with the lads. Nathan yeah. and Joe did a, a stellar job as as per usual. Um, Graham Sunes, Wes Brown, John O'Shea. Graham Sunes was a late, 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 late replacement for Paul Merson. Um, it was big time, a good time to get Sunes because he's just he's finishing up his guy, right? Yeah, he uh, and he made the hint and uh, joked that he he's not used to being a substitute, which there was an awkward but funny silence. And um, yeah, he uh, he was in brilliant form. He said the decision to leave Sky was not his own; that he would have liked to have stayed on. Um, but, uh, you know, at the way it was going for him, he was getting one-year deals and he expected and hoped maybe he'd get another one-year deal. Uh, and sadly didn't. Sky decided, as he said, to move in a different direction and uh, he was quite quite okay with that decision. He said he's had a couple of offers already. I was going to say, Graham Sunis issues come and get me plea to be in sports slash CBS slash, is it yeah, CBS or NBC? Keys and Grey, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he kind of laughed off the Keys and Grey suggestion from, I think it was Nathan. Um and he said he has, he said one of the two offers one's in media it appears and the other is within football oh uh, which, wow which is, was an interesting uh, wow shout now Nathan was like oh you're mad going back into to management and he said well not necessarily management director so of football style could be something president yeah so he seemed interested in the offers like if you're if you're Rangers for example and you're bringing back Graham Sunis to oversee some kind of uh, reputational enhancement some kind of shield for the board. I can see why mm. the club would look at that. From his perspective, though, like, is it a role where he's going to have power to influence things? Yeah, you'd wonder. And he's a man, like, as, as was pointed out last night, he's, he turns 70 next weekend. Wow, he does looks not. He looks unbelievable. For a guy who, like, has had his heart issues as well when he was yeah. a very young man at Liverpool, is. when yeah. he was player manager. Mm. He, uh, he goes swimming four mornings a week with a couple of mates at half six every morning. Has a gym that he uses in his gaff. Um, but clearly stays in, in a remarkable nick. Um, has six kids as well, the youngest of which is 23, so I guess that keeps him young as well. What? I know. That, that does not keep you young, Shane. <laughs> that does not keep you young. Would That's the opposite. I would have thought, you know, if you're 23 year old, it keeps you in touch with. Yeah, it all doesn't the keep kids. you young. It's no. like constantly stressed. I suppose. You'd have given him 47. <laughs> He's God. Plenty, plenty of time for you, Colin. Yeah, exactly. He was in uh, math on it. Wow. He at one point he was given out about the modern game and football. They have, and this, they have this, you know. You, you don't have to. Just it's just for everybody out there watching. Just you know, go on. Mm-hmm. After a while, you don't have to have the kid. You know, true. Yeah, yeah. You can. You are can we having a chat now? You can prevent it from happening if you want the to. Advice for me and Colin here. There are, there are numerous methods that maybe you don't get taught in in Irish schools. Maybe we'll talk about this later. <laughs> we'll talk about it now if so you want. Post production meeting maybe. 
Um, he, he started giving out about the modern pre-production, game. pre-production, pre-production. Sorry, yeah, which which should be the, the case. He, um, he he stood up at one point and started uh, saying, well, "What's all this crap about you know when coaches opening up binders before a player comes on? Like surely the work is done at that point." And then he started doing all this crack with managers. You know, using the hand gestures in the sideline, and he clearly wasn't a fan of that. He even stood up at one point to gesture Tony how Adams. much he doesn't like it. Yeah, Tony Adams essentially. Um, those, the, the other big the moment from the night, I think, was when John O'Shea was asked about Evan Ferguson. Oh yeah, and I was thinking, oh, John, John's on the coaching staff now. The, the senior setup, Stephen Kenny gave him a call. Um, he's going to play this down, and he said. Basically, mark my words, Evan Ferguson will threaten Robbie Keane's goal-scoring record. Wow. And okay. everyone's like, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> Expect that in your social media feed very <laughs> soon, I'd say. When we say it, we're absolute lunatics getting carried <laughs> oh, yeah. away with ourselves. Yeah. Choo-choo, hype train. But, uh, oh, he, know, he leaned into knows, it then. He yeah. knows, he knows Jeez, Choo-choo about football. That's amazing. Yeah. Directly involved with him in the Irish setup as well, to he's, say that. He said he's not currently as focused on goals as Robbie was, perhaps, at that age. But his, the rest of his game is unbelievable. But the goals will come. And he said, hey. "Once the goals, once the tap is open, I suppose, then there's no turning it off." I don't care if he if he uh, threatens Robbie Keane's goal record. If he becomes a player who also creates, you know, mm-hmm. like if he's a, if he is a, a a more assist creator as well, because that's in a way it's kind of harder to to mark. Yeah, um, it's more influential in games over the long run, you know. Yeah, and John is like he spoke very highly of Brighton and, and the work they deserve. He actually he was asked at one stage, I think, by one of the lads, who is the best manager in world football at the moment. And the, the name he first came to was Roberto De Zerbi. Wow. Uh, as someone he said at Stoke, he watched him up close for the when they played Brighton, I think, in the FA Cup this season. And he said he's so impressed by De Zerbi and just the in-game management. Um, wow, well, he doesn't know our league, does he? Well, what? <laughs> this is it. Who, who, who said that? Was it Merce? It was Merce, wasn't it? It was yeah, right. possibly. Um, well, that would have been an interesting little uh, yeah, yeah, moment. Uh, no. <laughs> Not <laughs> having it. We knows our league now, Paul, doesn't he? He certainly does. But, but yeah, O'Shea spoke glowingly of um, of the work. He, John would have played with Barry Ferguson, Evan's dad, at uh, at the Toulon Cup years ago in the under-21s. Wow, OK. So I uh, would know the, the family quite well. But um, Circles Jesus. within circles here. Yeah, essentially. That was really good. Like Even they spoke about that Cristiano Ronaldo sporting Lisbon match when mm. O'Shea was supposedly... Uh, absolutely destroyed by a young he Ronaldo. He was. No uh, supposedly about it. He did. Have you seen it? Is there, is there footage of it? There oh, is yeah. footage. Oh, it was right. live on the Euro Sports at the time. I remember that. Was yeah. it? Yeah, well, I, I didn't, vividly I remember that game like, being live. I assumed it was one of those things that was reported on ethereal and, and not actually in existence. It was on Eurosport. Okay. Yeah, they were flying home from Lisbon that night. Yeah. And the players said to. They went up to Ferguson in the plane, like the senior players, uh, boss, you've got to sign this case. And he was like. Don't worry, lads. I managed. Right. Turned out that they went straight to him in the dressing room afterwards, being yeah. like, "You're coming home with us." He's like, "No, no, I need to stay for a while." Mm. A week later, he was back. Right. Old but O'Shea said he was ho- he was not ho- uh, jet lagged for that match because they'd come back from the states. Oh the team, right? yeah, okay. So, uh, that was, his, right. that was yeah. his excuse. Got them in early. Yeah. Um, really good. Wes Brown added a lot to it as well. He does a lot of work with MUTV and kind of can speak very very well. Wes, um, they analysed the the cross for the Ronaldo header in the 08 Champions League final. And oh yeah. Being around Ferguson. As as not a hands-on coach, but the impact that that you know Ferguson would have would have had with all those coaches over the years, Mullenstein and Phelan and McLaren. Um, Wes Brown was in with us the morning after the Roy Keane Gary Neville roadshow, and he was the one who told us that it had gone straight to the WhatsApp group from the Man United players. who were like, "Have you seen what Keane said?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Right. Yeah, yeah. Wes said he had seen the MUTV tape of because uh, oh, obviously yeah? John O'Shea was asked about the the MUTV tape and Roy Keane la- laying into among other players John O'Shea quite heavily. Oh, was O'Shea part O'Shea of it? O'Shea was one of the players. Oh, I didn't realize that. Really heavily laid into, and oh. um, 
John was kind of he wasn't asked about it too often this this question, but yeah. he said, "Look, he it's something that Roy would have said to him many times. It wasn't like the, the the tape was mad shocking." And Wes Brown said he has seen the tape, of course, and he was in the room when it was played to the players, and he didn't think it was that bad. Right, like the players. It's just an excuse to get rid of him because they thought he was he was yeah. washed up. Yeah, hundred percent. They decided that they didn't want to uh, pay him the most money anymore, and that the power that he had was. <clears throat> out of whack with what the contribution that they thought he was getting. He was making. injured at the time, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. So they, had no, they had no use for him. And well, if Roy was in his trouble. prime when this tape comes out, oh, there's nothing they were like, look at Roy's time. You guys all better follow him. <laughs> yeah, it was John O'Shea, Kieran Richardson, Rio Ferdinand, wasn't it? Mm. Karen Fletcher. All those out. names were the ones called out. There's yeah. uh, saying here in the comments, Sunes uh, was saying the very kind stuff about Deserby. Uh, well, O'Shea brought his name up first, but then Sunes backed him up, yeah, and and was was complimentary. That's right. so yeah. two of them said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both both complimentary for Roberto De Zerbi and the work they're doing with younger players. But there was a lot of um, a lot of really interesting things out of it. Yeah. Um, but the Evan Ferguson line, I think, had had everyone excited. And then Sunes Sunes said he hadn't seen him live, but he's watched a lot of Evan Ferguson, and he is he's going to be a big star. He said. So I have a review in here from a regular uh, of the show. Right. Sunes the standout. Some heavy questions on him about mortality which threw him a little, I oh. think. Definitely made him up, up made him open up after that. Crowd loved him. <laughs> well, it was quite funny because the, the, the first portion was Rory just Graham Lammer. by himself and then you had uh, John O'Shea and Wes Brown by themselves and then the three lads. But the, the portion of Graham by himself saw another side to him. Uh, yeah, at one point, Joe asked him, um, you know, because his 70th birthday is approaching, he asked him, do you ever think about your mortality? <laughs> there was a bit of an awkward ooze and ahs from the crowd, but Joe then reiterated he, he didn't mean it in an offensive way. Graham did not take it in an offensive way. Um, but it led to an interesting a road talking about his health and and that, that incident, as he say, um, caught him when he had a few, few blocked arteries, I think, at 38, and opted for the surgery. And he said, looking back, he regrets going for the surgery. He only went for it because he's in a stressful job. Uh, a couple of his uncles had died quite young from, from heart issues, so... He figured he didn't want to be one of those. Um, but it led to a really fascinating other side to Graham Souness that I hadn't seen. Mm. What was the alternative to the surgery? Kind of take your chances, because um, obviously the recovery from the surgery was quite heavy on him as well. All right. Um, but I probably hindsight 2020, but he probably made the right decision regardless of... Yeah, of although maybe, maybe there's drugs now, maybe you stick him on the statins and he's grand, I don't know. Yeah, possibly. If, um, if there's any cardiologist watching this morning, you might... Uh, <laughs> Just out of pure nosiness. Yeah, drop us a line. Yeah, exactly. Um, How would you have treated Graham Sooners 30 years ago? <laughs> yeah. But no, it was a fascinating night. Uh, and just to see the dynamic between even, even John and, and Wes talking about the... Actually, really fascinating their Sunderland days talking about Paolo Di Canio as were, a manager. Were they mates? Like, they were mates, yeah. And yeah. it comes across that they're mates, not Big just time. like... They weren't just teammates, they were mates. Yeah, spent most of their careers together because even yeah. when they left United, they were at Sunderland and... Um, for, for longer than I thought, actually, I was looking up there each of their respective times at Sunderland. They were there for quite a while, bro. Yeah, O'Shea. significant Especially time. Especially the, uh, the the Canio manager management. Like I did not realise how attention to detail Paolo De Canio was. He said at one point they so they were stopped from they couldn't use mouthwash. Uh, there were other things in their diet that they could not use under Paolo De Canio. And he also and John O'Shea said this with a you know I didn't like this portion of De Canio's management. He said there was a there was a guy who worked at the Stadium of Light and he had worked there for decades like this was an older gentleman who was part of the fabric of Stadium of Light and Sunderland Football Club and the players used to shake hands with him or whatever or give him a hug on the way into every match and Decanio said no more I don't want you shaking his hand it's it's you know it's putting you off before a match he wanted the the walk to the to the dressing room to be completely head down so uh John O'Shea was, the global pandemic coming yeah possibly but he queried O'Shea I think and Brown were, were two of the leaders in that Sunderland team he probably queried that 
sort of decision making. Yeah, it sounds nonsensical. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Where, where's Paolo now as a manager? Yeah. How did that work out for him? Well, they said if Paolo was a calmer character, he would have been a brilliant manager. I mean, you could say the same about Roy Keane, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if you could. I don't know. I actually think Roy Keane is a brilliant TV pundit, uh, particularly in light of the stuff that, you know, you see what Brawley was saying at the weekend. Mm. And you remember the times watching the Ireland games and going, this is a shit game. And then on comes Dunphy and Giles and Brady. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, oh there's something else happening here that I'm unaware of. Yeah. Um, so... Maybe Paolo Di Canio could be a world-class TV pundit. Jeez, he's 10 years out of management, Di Canio. That was 10 years ago. That's Is he doing TV? Things. don't know. I haven't heard from him in a long time. Someone saw him in a documentary a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, Paolo. Paolo, Paolo, Paolo. Uh, right. If you want to get in touch with us, 087-9180-180 is the WhatsApp number. You can leave a comment on youtube.com forward slash off the ball. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening to our podcast, by the way, and I'll uh, rate on Apple, would uh, you can leave a comment there as well. We do read them all eventually. Harry Pryor's coming up at 8 o'clock to talk uh, Liverpool and the WSL. Uh, Mark Brenny and Finian Hanley are going to preview the Connacht football final for us. One JD, please. He's back at 8.40. Our uh, quarterfinal preview, it is Ulster versus Connacht. Uh, Cameron's going to join us for that. Graham Hunter's going to join us at 10 past 9. Lots and lots of Barcelona and Messi and uh, Real Madrid and Spain news. The, if you haven't seen this, the, the headline this morning is about Leo Messi and how much money he's going to make in Saudi Arabia. Where's the money? Where's I the think number? it's 320 million. Messi's 320 million sterling a year <laughs> is the front headline on the Telegraph. So the trip to Saudi Arabia was not just a uh, little jaunt to uh, help them advertise their tourism industry as it has been defended. It was like, oh, he'd, he'd made his plans, there was no training, and then they rearranged training and he couldn't change his travel plans. He couldn't get his private jet to take off a few hours earlier. To, he couldn't? Okay. That was the, the Paris Saint-Germain route. Of course, Paris Saint-Germain, owned by Qatar? Mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia and Qatar, not the best of mates? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's, that's, that's the way I read into it. Just oh, okay. Yeah. And so what's going to happen is he's going to go for $400 million for one year, £320 million, pounds, and he'll sign for whatever club they tell him to sign for. Mm. Not quite sure yet which one. Al Hilal seems to be the team mentioned, isn't it? Is it? But I think uh, so. Ronaldo joined Al Nasir, and their traditional rivals are Al Hilal, and it looks like they would place him with them. Mm. But Ronaldo will be gone. Yeah. Maybe Ronaldo looks at this and goes, "Oh, you're bringing Messi, and how much is he getting? Oh, maybe I'll stay now, but you have to give me the same." Mm. So they're they're going to pick the club for him. They're going to force him to play for a certain club. This is kind of like uh, Frank Sinatra in Vegas, isn't it? When he was like, he had to play there like night after night. Didn't even want to. But he was forced by the powers that be. Yeah. The mob? Yeah. Well, I he mean, didn't want to do it. Uh, he wasn't happy. He was he miserable. Not, did he not make his own bed? Regrets? I've had a few. Oh. Then again, too few to mention. That, they could have been some of them. And this could be the Messi situation. Do you think Leo Messi will regret earning $320 million a year? I think uh, Messi would regret mm. losing control of his own destiny. He's going to go back to Barcelona, isn't he? Two years? I don't think so. I think no. this is... Uh, it's a principle though, isn't it? Could be two years or 20. Uh, the other thing is... I see the control of my life to other people. Why would you... I'll get that back. Yeah, you get the money. They bought your control and they paid you well for it. Sure. Well, well compensated. It's life, I suppose, isn't it? What, um... Would you... Why did Barcelona want him back at this stage of his career? Swan song. Uh, are you basing that because they don't need him because they're performing okay no no it's more a like it, there's a lot of emotion involved in it but they're getting somebody who is not as good as he was 
and granted, okay, so you'll have the messy museum and you'll sell a lot of shirts and all that stuff is, you know, the brand of the uh, world's biggest brands will want to be associated with him. Fair enough. The shirt thing is, is less important these days than it used to be. But I'd, I'm just not sure if you're Barcelona, you've already moved on from him and you have a bunch of kids. You're going to sell some of those kids to raise the money. Now, maybe they're not that good, but they're certainly good enough to be important players for Barcelona for the next 10 years, 7 years, 5 years, which isn't the case with Messi. You're going to get maximum two seasons out of him. And are you going to win a Champions League with Messi in your side? I'm just not sure. Like, uh, uh, the greatest player of all time and your association with him is forever there. But it's also, it's going to be forever there. And if he just goes off now, you don't have to pay him ridiculous amounts of money, which obviously he'll want. I think if he goes back, then his legacy will be, I remember that fling you had, that affair you had with PSG. Yeah. But you came back to us in the end because you realised you loved us. But like the end of Network. It wouldn't be like the Ronaldo return to United, would it? It couldn't go that far south, well, surely. Like all of this, I think the Ronaldo thing is different in that uh, he he cheated on Manchester United mm. with Real Madrid and had all his best years at Real Madrid. Like, oh, they had a, a, they they agreed to that separation, Fergie and Ronaldo. It's like I think we should see other people. Yeah, and, uh, he came back. It's not you, it's me, but it's definitely. Yeah, but they you. they were better as friends, as it turned out. But like, Messi and Barcelona are lovers. And they will be reunited. They just had a big falling out two years ago. This is getting very graphic. Back. Very good. But also, um, the, it's a good point about Messi. Like, would he disturb the the rhythm and the momentum of Barcelona? He's one of a handful of players that will actively and visibly change the behaviour of his teammates around them because everyone's so aware that Messi's on the pitch. Yeah. So you change what you're about to do. You second guess like what you're going to do with the ball because Messi's there. So he'll obviously drop deeper. He'll probably play as part of a midfield three. But he also showcased that at the World Cup. He's still brilliant. He can be when he's motivated. Can yeah. you motivate him for a whole season? It's very difficult. It's really very difficult. And it's going to get less and less and less easy to do that. And also the World Cup was, you know, I mean, the one thing that he really needed to do. He's already won literally everything that's possible to win with Barcelona. So, I don't know. We, we will talk to Graham Hunter about this a little bit later on. If you've any thoughts on it, we'd love to hear from you. We should talk about uh, some of the other big stories from yesterday. You were about to go. I'm going to go Big Sam here. Oh yeah, this is actually a really good point, right? Because we have in the running order that Erling Haaland has broken his Premier League goal-scoring record and we're 17 minutes into the show and we haven't talked about it. But for good reason, because I think people are a bit apathetic towards the whole thing and towards Manchester City's dominance, unless you're a Man City supporter. Like it's really like it was quite feeling. Yeah, I think there's anybody else, any other club. Like Mo Salah has 29 goals this season. (laughs) I think if Salah had scored 35 Premier League, we'd probably be starting with Salah. But there's something to do with Haaland as this kind of freak of nature machine. The soullessness of Man City. I personally enjoy watching them. I think their football is sensational. But I understand the naysayers who are like, ah, whatever. Like 3 0 against West Ham, nil all after 54 minutes. That's about as exciting as it got. It's just like Erling Haaland is programmed to score this many goals. He's like a robot. He, you just press a button and he scores that many goals. You just insert the two digits and you, you tell the computer what, how many goals uh, you want him to score. What? <laughs> this is what he's done. But it is, it's, it is phenomenal. Cardiology, uh, proctology, the, the whatever you want to do this morning. Mm-hmm. His first competitive game for Man City, Community <laughs> Shield, missed the sitter, blazed it over. Blazed it over, right, like right there, open goal. Yeah. And the first game of the season away to West Ham, the corresponding fixture, <sighs> scored a penalty. I don't think anyone envisioned 51 goals later. Uh, oh, by the way, he's 12 off Dixie Dean's all-time record from 1927-28. So he has nine games if they make the Champions League final to break the all-time goal-scoring record ever. Uh, all right. <coughs> uh, Allardyce. All right, exactly. And then everyone's like, oh, OK, yeah. Anyway, on to the other news. Well, uh, uh, Allardyce went full Stephen Ireland, says Latte Larry, which is, which is about the best... Uh, 
tying up of the two big stories in terms of uh, the Eagles have landed this week. Mm. And it's true. I haven't even met Robbie Keane. Like, I, I, that's as left field a shot mm. and shout as I've, I remember. Like, I did not have Robbie Keane in my Sam Aradici bingo for he's going to be the guy in the touchline. Phil Brown used to do that role for uh, Big Sam. Mm. Did Kevin Nolan do it at some point or am I mixing that up? Uh, I think it, uh, he played for West Ham. Wasn't he his captain at West Ham? He's I don't doing, know if he was he's doing an hour from Moisey. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a big, big, it's a big opportunity for Robbie Keane to suddenly get back into football. He hashtag knows the club, do you know? Well, does he? He wasn't there that long. Well, he was there. There for a year and a half. A year and a half is long enough to, to get ah, to know the club, on. isn't it? You know, like he knows the area, he knows the town, he knows the the, tr- the <laughs> He knows the area, it's been 20 years. <laughs> Leeds has a change. So it's all changed. Years. Yeah, he went on loan initially from Inter. I remember that loan spell was great and then they made the transfer permanent 0102, and he was gone then at the end of that. Well, that's the... Brief. I mean, you could definitely have a 10-part Netflix series on those three and a half, four years at least. Ridsdale years, incredibly. Um, Yeah, like Ridsdale, slightly ahead of his time in that he massively borrowed on the back of the fact that the the team was going to earn loads of money to get into the Champions League and then the team couldn't get into the Champions League. You could say this is basically what the Glazers have done is make a lot of money off the back of borrowings. But anyway, uh, I think uh, it's time for Peter Ridsdale's reappreciation. Yeah, I don't remember the Leeds fans at the time complaining at the height of it when they had this incredible squad and they were going deep into the Champions League. Yeah, well, the squad initially had been built on the young players and a few astute signings. Remember, George Graham came in, he got... He left. I can't even remember. Was there controversy around him leaving? Uh, David O'Leary stepped up and wasn't supposed to be getting the job, and then he got the job because he took them on a great run. And then they started splashing out ridiculous money, like ridiculous money. But there was a story about the amount of money that they'd spent on exotic fish, and it was thousands. And as the club was careering into oblivion, it turned out two decades of oblivion. Uh, the the fish was kind of the symbol of the waste. The other one was. Um, one of the players came in, Seth. Seth Johnson. Was it Seth Johnson who yeah, came in? from uh, Derby. And was like, um, yeah. the story about how, how much money he was getting paid was, he, he kind of paused, shocked, and they jumped in and doubled it because of, of the pause. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, it ended up that the story was that he got three times more than he had expected to. And yeah. I was like, okay. I'll take this. He talks about that subsequently. He was like, it's the, the hardest I've ever had to bite my tongue not to laugh or to get too excited because of that pause when they doubled it. Yeah, but that was the time, like, they were just high on life. Kian Rowe was commenting on the YouTube, lads, that was genius from Big Sam. Takes all the pressure off the players and all the attention on him. Jose-esque. That's sad. Um, if anyone hasn't heard these comments. That is absolutely not why he was doing that. Like, <laughs> he just thinks he's great. I might be 68. This is Sam yesterday for anyone who hasn't heard it. I might be 68 and look old and antiquated, but there's nobody ahead of me in football terms. Not Pep, not Klopp, not Arteta. It's all there with me. They do what they do, and I do what I do. In terms of knowledge, I'm not saying I'm better than them, but I'm certainly as good as they are. That's genius from Big Sam Allardyce. And he was taking sips of water in between the sentences, too, to add to the power play. That he's very relaxed. A little pause. And you're on my time. Is that you what know? you're doing now? Just a little friend. Just to me. Oh, Bobby Dwyer's in the comments. I'd say he is ahead of them this morning. He's awake. Uh, you're awake, Bobby. Uh, yeah. He had a good night. He, he did have a good night. He was... Getting selfies with Nathan Murphy, his hero, ah, last night. So, good night for Bobby. Nathan, just by the way, Nathan loves it when you fanboy him. That's his favourite thing in the world. So, if you're out there and you spot Nathan, and if he happens to be munching on an, an illicit croissant or 
cookie in uh, Super Value or Tesco or wherever it is he shops he likes nothing more than somebody getting a selfie particularly with bits of crumbs on his face oh yeah I was standing at the bar and Nathan was trying to kind of sneak off back into the stage room after taking his countless selfies and I shouted Murphy across the bar and he was probably thinking oh happy days this is another fan but turns out it was just his colleague Shane waving over at him So, uh, did yourself and Bobby get a selfie? Uh, Bob did get a selfie with me as well yeah yeah probably to send to, to yourself I think, I think he wanted to send it to yourself he was disappointed that he didn't get to to meet his, his other hero Colin Buhick of course oh you're his hero no you oh right yeah yeah it's yeah, other yeah. hero 100% okay, yeah. I'm certainly not his hero um, <laughs> but it was, it was a good night it was a good night's crack yeah um, Seamus Coleman yeah Seamus this Coleman is this is uh, Seamus Coleman obviously yesterday a uh, report comes out that um, an Instagram account a uh, picture of Seamus on the stretcher fist up going and uh, I'm not no no ACL damage good news back soon and um, you've like searched Seamus Coleman on Instagram and like nothing comes up a bunch of Seamus Coleman fan accounts come up and then uh, you look at the Everton and it's like uh, so Robbie Keane had wished him best at Shamey 23 I think is the handle then you go to it and it's like 400 followers and it's a private account mm. like, is this real is this definitely real but then Everton were the ones who shared it so you have to assume that they're following their actual captain on his actual Instagram account it has the bang of um, his missus saying listen you better get on Instagram because everybody else is on he's like yeah okay grand but then it doesn't do it just as like private for his yeah he has like 14,000 requests and uh, doesn't know how to answer them yeah um, yeah it is it's a very small following but um, and the picture is great that he or whoever chose was him cheering up the crowd from the stretcher Come on, the lads. which I thought was a great moment but no it's brilliant news ahead of uh, next month's huge game of Greece because I was thinking before the injury that like there's a couple of years of Seamus Coleman playing in a in a new system for us if we want it you know like being the leader on the field from the right of a three yeah and stepping into midfield when he needs to like he doesn't actually need to be the pacey player that he has been for his entire career for him to have a really important role within the Ireland setup, particularly at a time when the team is so bloody young yeah I think the only thing is though that that is his game he has pace and aggression and acceleration, speed. But he's also brainy. Like he- Definitely, yeah. But I think the other factors are probably more prominent in his game. He'll have to change. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not time. saying it's exactly. Yeah. It, well, for the last couple of years, it's, um, it'd, it'd be better, I think, for us to have him on the field, organising, cajoling, complaining to referees, yeah. like having status, which we don't have that many other players who had that status. I mean, no. obviously, you know, you hope Ferguson does, but like, let him be busy scoring goals as opposed to making him captain um, you know hopefully Josh Cullen doesn't get replaced in the off season like if, if Burnley are going to invest a lot of money which they might do they might look at strength in the midfield you have to hope that he plays every minute next season in the Premier League you have to hope that John Egan plays every minute in the Premier League but after that how many other Premier League players are we going to have next season mm. he does, he's also one of those players who uh, affects his teammates deeply yeah. Coleman you see with the Everton contingent when he went off in the stretcher everybody was going over to him wishing yeah. him well and uh, just the respect all the players have for him it was on the start of the season Damari Gray um, scored a winner mm. and they did a joint post-match interview and Coleman was basically analysing Gray in the interview live and Gray was just there like listening nodding along to him being shameless to look he, he has all the talent in the world but he needs to do it more he was talking about him as if he wasn't there but at the same time being very supportive and Damari was just nodding along And well, if you think back that's what uh, Gundogan did about Haaland 
when remember Halle wasn't scoring and he was he was frustrated and not making the runs and they were like well he's got to learn what to do he's got to learn exactly where to go sorry on Halland Gary Neville made the very good point last night that uh, imagine City passing the ball every time he made those runs because oftentimes they mm. ignore him and they certainly did for the first half of the season yeah. so he would have probably beaten Dixie Dean's record at this stage yeah. had they played him in every time he made those runs this is a really interesting moment in time for Manchester City I think because we, we, we can't forget the sanctions that are coming up right but also they're going to have an entirely new midfield next season like it looks like Gundogan is going to uh, Barcelona will Rodri still be there I'm not sure uh, they're not getting Bellingham that's the other news that's happened in the last 24 hours is that the rumours of the Manchester uh, City being thwarted by Real Madrid have definitely it seems come to fruition I'm not really sure Jude Bellingham is a Real Madrid player but anyway mm. um, I think it's a great move for him he's a He's, he's, I think it's, but it's a great move in terms of like you don't have uh, the microscope from the English media exactly that's probably the big thing and he's the Modric replacement straight in Modric has yet to sign a new contract they're entirely different players yeah they are yeah, but, but they're entirely different players I still you think can't say that he's the Modric replacement and then can go so like Jude Bellingham is not going to control a game he's, he's got explosive talents and attributes and he will score a ton of goals yeah but he's far more uh a cross between Frank Lampard and Brian Robson whereas uh, Luka Modric is a very unique player who was able to control games and create in a way that so Bellingham will create by taking attention away from other players by making runs mm. Luka Modric does not do that no but he's, he can run a game like Modric can he can't he can run a game no, like I, don't think, I, don't I think, think he can not, not yet. It, it, the same way that when Casemiro left Chiumeni comes in and steps up I think Bellingham will step up and Chiumeni's not in the team no but he'll, but he'll uh, I, I think it's Kamavinga who's in ahead of him. Yeah, but I, th- I think I think Bellingham coming into that team, he'll get a lot of chances to play. He'll get like so. But he's not going to run the game. He's, he, that's not that's not the type. Of, he actually, I, I genuinely think that he would have fit Liverpool's style of play if Liverpool are going to continue yeah. with their heavy metal football. Like, and then and then you just become another English player. Yeah, you know? I think this is a miles better move. This is probably the best move he could have chosen. If he had gone to Liverpool... What this, if he doesn't he's play only, that much? But he's only 19. Okay, So if he'd gone to Liverpool and then Liverpool say, don't win the league next season, there's no probably won't. then there's no. like, yeah, oh, Jude, I thought you were supposed to be the saviour. Then he's only 20 and he has yeah. all this whole career ahead of him where he's like, oh, another English flap who's overhyped. This way he goes, stays abroad, from, away from the Premier League, plays Real Madrid. He'll like have about 80% of the games every season he'll be in a dominance team. He'll have yeah. loads of time on the ball. He'll be playing with two other people around him because they play three. He'll have Kamavinga, Chuamani, he'll have Tony Cross, and he'll have Madrid. Mm. Well. He's going to learn off all of these players. Why don't we get Jasmine Baba to do a piece for us about um, what type of player he is and compare and contrast him with Definitely, other yeah. midfielders, Definitely. particularly the ones he's replacing. Like You'd say he's, he's more a, a Tony Cross replacement than a, a Luka Modric replacement. But is it whatever about replacements, he's just adding to it and he's going to learn so much from them. He does two, three, four years at Real Madrid yeah. then goes to the Premier League he has so much time ahead I think it's a brilliant move for him I'm also a big fan of Camavinga so he is yeah, gonna, he's class, it's yeah. going to be it's suddenly there, there's a really dynamic young midfield that they have access oh, yeah. to uh, but the corollary of that is that who's, who's going to be at Man City next season in midfield like are they are they actually going to sell Calvin Phillips now I don't know but who are the three or the two well they talk about second season syndrome uh, negatively when a team gets promoted had a, has a great season struggle yeah. the next time it's the opposite under Pep Oftentimes, players struggle in their initial campaign Pep's very frustrated with them they're not doing what he says mm. second season much better because they finally they finally lose grip of control and like Pep tell me what to do yeah. that's what Pep does he micromanages all his players their spirit gets broken yeah so who are you saying who for what who's it going to be to, in midfield for City yeah jeez I don't know I have to think about it now I yeah. think, but as I 
write a script for you. Right, everybody, uh, give us your uh, Man City midfield next season. But the other thing is, of course, the, uh, the sanctions that are coming. So this might be the end of the Manchester City uh, period of dominance. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.